Well, and then when you teach them how to signal that, right, to tell that story, not only to say it, but to show it, to live it, um, do it, right, really act on that. Um, it was, it's, it puts the power of the brand in their hands and they become really great brand stewards. There's nothing more exciting than when uh, your client gets better at telling you what's what on brand looks like than you are. You know what I mean? Then they really own it. And uh, it's really, really exciting to be able to see our clients really. And I think this is always really exciting in the nonprofit space when people understand that their brand is really a key asset of their, of their organization that can help leapfrog them forward. You know, nonprofits are always, no matter how big or small, they're always trying to get as much bang for their buck as they can. They want to be good stewards. And really investing in a strong brand story really helps them connect to their customers so much more effectively and create a consistency of message that really can shoot right to the heart, right? Right. Really connect right to the heart and the mind in a way that is so powerful. Are you looking for ways to shorten your marketing learning curve and help your organization survive and thrive? Welcome to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast, a show for purpose-focused leaders who want to use marketing techniques to fuel their organization's growth. If you're a returning listener and you haven't subscribed already, we'd love to have you. Also, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Now here's your host, author and marketing specialist, Stu Swinefort. Hey everybody, Stu here. You hear more and more these days about the power of purpose and leading with authenticity and how that can help your brand really shine in the marketplace, whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit entity. My guests today are Chris, Christina Ferrari and Cheryl Farr, and they are both part of Signal CSK Brand Partners. And uh, Cheryl's actually part of another organization called Logic everyday community. And they're doing some really, really cool things with brand positioning. And most nonprofits and and many, many for-profit uh, organizations don't really think about brand positioning and how much it is uh, an effective way to help reinforce the story that you're trying to tell to do more good in the world. Um, our conversation today was amazing. I really, really had a great time talking with both Cheryl and Christina and uh, would encourage you to listen to this episode with with kind of an open mind in terms of how you can apply some of the things that we talk about to your organization to help it stand out uh, in a ever, ever increasingly crowded marketplace. So here we go. Cheryl and Christina, how are you today? Doing great, Stu. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. It's uh, it's a really real pleasure to have you both on the show. I'm looking forward to chatting with you about brand positioning and how important that is for for people who are trying to do more more good in the world. Absolutely, well, glad to be here, Stu. Well, tell us a little bit. You have three organizations that you primarily uh, are focused on. One is Signal CSK brand partners. The other is an organization, a nonprofit called Logic, and a third organization called Moose International. So I'd love to uh, get a feel for for all of those 
great things that you're doing and, and learn how they came about and, and what uh, amazing things you're doing in the world. Sure. So um, our organization is Signal CSK Brand Partners. We are a, a brand strategy and um, creative firm focused on brand strategy and marketing strategy and business strategy and how all those intersect to really help um, businesses, both for-profits and nonprofits, take a great leap forward in their business. Um, we've been in business since 2009, um, based here in Colorado, um, now virtual, like so many others. Um, uh, we actually, Christina and I actually met before that. We've been working together for about 15 years. Yep. Um, started our agency in 2009, as I said, um, as part of a larger agency. Okay. Um, called the CSK Group, which is where you get that signal CSK from. <laughs> and um, we really met prior to that at an agency in Arizona where we met and bonded over the idea of strategic signaling and branding, really how you represent yourself and what kinds of signals that you send through your visuals, your verbal messaging um, your tone of voice, your environmental experience, what kinds of signals that you're sending, sending cognitively about, about your brand and your story. So we were really, we really bonded over that. And the, it was love at first sight. It was love at first sight. That's exactly <laughs> right. Christina, do you want to say any more about that? Yeah. So um, I'm a designer at heart. I, that's what my training is but I had a real strategic backbone to that. And I never understood the idea of following a trend. And so when Cheryl and I kind of crossed paths and when we met, it was just love at first sight about this idea of really using strategic foundation to signal perceptually what you were trying to own. And um, we bonded over that. And um, (laughs) the rest is a little bit history. (laughs) Uh, And, it was a great pairing. I come out of, um, I'm a writer by trade and, a, and an editor by trade, uh, love to copyright, but I'm a real, I'm really a brand strategist. And mm-hmm. so, um, Christina brought that verbal, uh, I'm sorry, that visual thinking. I brought the verbal thinking. We both are strong on both sides of that equation. So we really complement each other and have really been able to build a really strong brand building discipline around, um, uh, really helping organizations to identify what's theirs to own um, and really live it out in everything they say and do, really to drive um, really clear, consistent messaging and, and really break away from their competition. Mm-hmm. Um, we use a way of thinking, um, a lens to process how to help organizations signal what they stand for, we call true, meaningful, and different. What is uniquely true about you as an organization? Um, What is most meaningful to your target audiences, those you have and those you want? And what makes you dramatically different from your competition? Um, And when we think about competition, and yes, nonprofits have competition, right? We're always competing for mind share, wallet share, and heart share. So... um, not only your direct competitors, but any, sometimes um, your competitor might be doing nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe people are 
aren't participating at all and you're trying to invite them in, um, whatever that looks like. And we use that lens to really get to the real sweet spot of what a brand stands for. And what and we've we been able to, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. sure. No, you go. Um, I And we found that we're able to do that uh, so dynamically across almost any medium, whether that is print or digital or environmental or experiential, the signals really drive that experience at all touch points. Um, and it kind of doesn't matter what the expression is, as long as you're intentionally managing those perceptions. Yeah. And what we found is that organizations really love that formula because it allows mm-hmm. that it makes a lot of sense. In some ways, it's a really simple formula that really what we're doing is reaching in and able to help them articulate um, a story that they haven't been able to articulate previously to sort of articulate what makes them special and what makes what purpose really drives them Mm -hmm. um, in a way that they haven't been able to to do before. So it's not layering on story. It's really getting to the authentic heart of who you are and what you care about most. And And really- I'm sorry, Cheryl. Keep going. And really helping organizations raise their hand so that people who will resonate with what they have to offer can find them. Mm-hmm. And so many of our clients have actually said that we've been able to tell their story in a way that was even deeper and more than they were ever able to articulate themselves. And I think that's because of that formula that becomes really powerful. Yeah, we've we experienced the same thing over here at Relish Studio, where having people get to their differentiator and get to that brand story can be real challenging on your own. And and having an outside consultant and somebody who comes in who does this stuff all the time and and can look look around the corner, um, you know, it's all all a matter of your perspective. Yep. Um, but but digging out those differentiators can be a real a real challenge, particularly in that purpose driven space, because so many purpose driven people um, in the nonprofit world or or just in general, you know, are fairly um, you know modest, I guess, yeah. and mm-hmm. and so getting people to talk about themselves is is hard enough, and then getting them to recognize where they're amazing, mm-hmm. um, or at least yes. at least be able to articulate that is 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 such a, a it's it's so hard to do on your own. So having having wow. people like you out there helping helping organizations figure that out is just is just fantastic. Well, and then when you teach them how to signal that, right, to mm-hmm. tell that story, not only to say it but to show it, to live mm-hmm. it, um, mm-hmm. to do it, right, really act on that. Um, it was it's, it puts the power of the brand in their hands, and they become really great brand stewards. There's nothing more exciting than when uh, your client gets better at telling you what's what on brand looks like <laughs> than you are. You know what I mean? Then they <laughs> own it. And uh, it's really, really exciting to be able to see our clients really. And I think this is always really exciting in the nonprofit space when people understand that their brand is really a key asset of their, of their organization that can help leapfrog them forward. You know, nonprofits are always, no matter how big or small, they're always trying to get as much bang for their buck as they can. They want to be good stewards and really investing in a strong brand story really helps them connect to their customers so much more effectively and create 
a consistency of message that really can shoot right to the heart, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Really connect right to the heart and the mind in a way that is so powerful. And um, it's really fun when non not-for-profit organizations begin to see their brand as a key asset for mm-hmm. um, uh, reach for achieving their purpose. Mm-hmm. So, so Christina and I bonded on that over that topic, and we've been working on that ever since for the last fifteen years. Um, we had a. Uh, the CSK group at some point we split off. We were in a larger organization, kind of bifurcated. We had a marketing arm. Um, we were doing outsourced marketing and we had a brand strategy branding division. We really, um, uh, around about 2015, we split and took the um, branding component, which was really our specialty mm-hmm. uh, so that we could fully embrace what, we had the passion for, which was helping organizations build, build really great, powerful, effective brands that their people can, that they could learn how to live out, that their people could rally around and magnetize people to their organization that people wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And that then of course could also attract the audiences that, um, that they want. And we just fell in love with not only helping organizations do that, but helping, helping people be great stewards of their own brands. Mm -hmm. And um, so we really focused on that side of the business um, with our team starting in 2015. And it's, we've been going since then Mm -hmm. Um, in around that same time we were invited by, um, I was invited to a meeting with a couple of other folks by Moose International, which is one of the largest and oldest uh, fraternal orders and service organizations in the uh, in the world. Have you heard of Moose International, Stu? I had not prior to doing some research for for our our discussion today, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, but it sounds like a really really great organization that's doing a lot to help help both kids and elderly and uh, you know, all sorts of people kind of Absolutely. get live live great lives, right? Yeah, well, you know, people who do know the moose, whether you know them or not, you, once I say, oh, you know, like the elks or like. Uh-huh. The, we're like the water buffaloes from the Flintstones. <laughs> I don't think service organizations love that comparison. <laughs> but they're like, no, we don't have hats. Um, so, but so Moose International, um, the reason they came into being about 125 years ago, um, and all across the service organization landscape around about the nineties, right? Throughout the 20th century, um, fraternal orders and service organizations were really rising. It was very normal to belong to a lodge in your community and Mm -hmm. participate, right? People came together in, in lodges that working people, they broke bread together. They did service projects for their community. Um, and they helped each other when they needed help. Right. Mm -hmm. And, that happened throughout the 20th century. Well, starting in the early 90s, all of the fraternal orders um, started to see a rapid decline in membership because it was just not a concept that was 
really wholly relevant anymore. It was kind of the, your parents' thing, right? Right. And right. Um, and not even millennial. I mean, even Gen Xers and Boomers to some to some extent. I mean, they're still thriving. Moose has still well more than a million uh, members around North America and more than eight hundred lodges. And you know, obviously, we see so many others like them still out there going strong. But what ended up happening was Moose International um, invited us in. Um, they wanted to do something new. They wanted to, uh, their challenge, the CEO's challenge was, um, all of the, um, obviously Moose International is not for profit. All of its proceeds from its lodges went to support what it cared about most was, uh, is a, a school called Moose Heart Child City and School. It's about 40 miles West of Chicago. And it was, built in 1913. Um, and its intent was to be a place where if you were part of a, a moose, if you were in the moose lodge and you were a working person, a working man, and you got hurt in a work injury or you passed away or something bad happened, your wife and your children had a place to go and be, mm -hmm. and be cared for. Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's a gorgeous campus, uh, 2000 acres. Um, over time, what happened was, um, that that grew into, uh, it, it expanded out to children who had other crises in their family and then extended, expanded out beyond just moose members to where children can be sponsored. Children in crisis or need can be sponsored from, uh, by any moose lodge. They come from all over the country and in, sometimes even internationally from babies to, 18 and they um if they have every ability to succeed um but don't have the family structure to support um they can come live at moose international in a family style home with parent teachers and be educated um uh kindergarten through high school and um they have an ext extraordinary campus it's almost college-like and, um, then when they graduate, if they, if they stay and graduate from, sometimes they go back to other extended family or something, but if they stay and graduate from Moose Heart, they, if, as long as they have a B average or better, they get a free four year ride to college. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. And a C average or better, uh, associate's degree. Sometimes they often, uh, uh, also transition and they have a, uh, they have training programs for, so you actually learn one of the legacies is you also learn a trade mm -hmm. alongside of college prep education. So uh, people, they have a really high rate of success um, with children. And um, so that's the cause. So all of the, all of the, um, all of the proceeds from the lodge structure supported Moose Heart. And the CEO came up through Mooseheart. He was a parent teacher, then the principal of the school, superintendent, and now CEO. And his biggest concern was as the membership was declining in, at, at the lodges, um, it wasn't going to happen anytime soon. But if we didn't do something new, Moose would Mooseheart would lose its funding engine. So he wanted to do two things. He wanted to be relevant for a new generation while still letting the lodge structure thrive. Um, Cause it was, like I said, still going strong, but to create something new alongside it that could speak to new generations and also create another funding engine 
for Mooseheart so that Mooseheart could live on. And so um, on behalf of Signal, I was there and we, um, uh, we spent about a year doing a bunch of research and we came back and we said to the CEO, well, everything that Moose has cared about for 125 years, which is really helping working families thrive, come together, be social, break bread together, do good things for their communities, helping children grow into healthy, productive, happy citizens who participate in their communities and helping each other out when the chips are down, those things still matter. Mm-hmm. In fact, they matter more than ever, right? Yeah. And this was about 2016. And we said when Moose, was, when Moose um, came to be, it was really at a dramatic sea change when people were moving out of sort of small town agricultural work into manufacturing in big, big, big droves, right? Mm-hmm. And we said, well, we're at another sea change. We're move- people are moving into on-demand independent employment. Um, and so we believe there's a way to reinvent um, what Moose is about in a whole new business model. And we mm-hmm. call that Logic Everyday Community, L-O-D-G-I-C, a Logic Everyday Community. And what Logic Everyday Community is, it's not a membership organization like uh, the Loyal Order, the Moose. It is a intersection of co-working, childcare, uh, restaurant, and events all in one integrated business model. Um, we sit in a community. It is a nonprofit, but it presents as a for-profit, right? Because we behave like a for-profit, but what we do, all our proceeds go to support the things we care about. Reinvested, obviously, at Mooseheart and mm-hmm. into local causes in the communities in which we live. It's a really cool model built for how people live today, probably even more resonant than ever post post pandemic or soon to be post pandemic. Um, people can use any piece they want, right? Every line of business is optimized to perform, to compete in its community. We our restaurant in Louisville, Kentucky just got voted best new restaurant in the city. Um, we have um, co-working, we have coworkers who just come in and co-work. We have ki- pe- parents who just drop their ch- children off at childcare or you can use them in an integrated model. You can work and drop your child off. You can come and book events with us. We So it's a model meant to flex with whatever you need in any given day, and then you can switch it up tomorrow. Um, it's a super cool model, really creates a new sense of community, um, but in a very modern fashion, very hospitality forward. We're able to serve people in co-working um, in a way that we normally couldn't. Um, because we have such a hospitality infrastructure around them so we can take care of them. So basically what ended up happening, um, we built three locations, actually two during the pandemic. Um, So we have three locations. um, And then uh, I led the development of that. So we came up with a concept for Moose and the CEO said to me, well, now you have to go build it. I said, Oh, okay. So we led the team. Christina <laughs> and I led the team that built um, the first location, designed and built, brought together all the experts um, mm-hmm. in each category um, to build, um, design and build the first concept um, and to launch the first three. And then um, in 2019, um, the CEO asked me to step in as CEO of Logic. And so I was able to do that because Christina had 
done such a wonderful job excelling. And she really stepped into the number one seat at the agency while I stepped over to Logic to um, run Logic as CEO. So um, it's a pretty interesting combination because she, of course, is still sitting driving in the agency seat. And I, of course, am sitting in um, the lead seat in a brand new concept that is a nonprofit concept that we're working on growing. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's it's really interesting to see that that intersection, um, I guess, between or the overlap uh, between the nonprofit space and the for-profit space and how bringing, bringing that for-profit concept to to logic in terms of, of, you know, co-working spaces are typically run as, as, as for-profit entities, childcare is typically run in that fashion. And, and, Mm -hmm. but applying that with this purpose driven focus uh, to create a nonprofit that, that runs in that fashion is, is really quite interesting. I think that, that nonprofits tend to discount the business part of the, you know, nonprofit business phrase. And, and, um, and so it's, it's really cool to see how one can, can take that purpose focus and and apply it in a new way, um, to really live that out. Um, what were some of the challenges with launching that brand? Where was, did you have, you know, pretty much immediate buy-in by people or was, was there skepticism? What, what were some of the things you ran into as you were trying to develop that brand? Oh, that's a great question. Um, it's, I think one of the things I would say is um, what we've really found is finding the balance in communicating because each line, you know, fundamentally there's four lines of business under the logic everyday community roof. Um, Everyday kitchen, which is the restaurant cafe brand, Mm -hmm. logic kids camp, logic workplace and logic events. What we found is that we actually had to market. We don't actually market from the umbrella brand logic everyday community we market from the lines of business because people find us because they have a need right right need a place to work they're hungry and want to host <laughs> an event child care and then what they co- happens is they come in and they discover yeah. what else there is right they plug and in they discover them. the purpose behind it right yes. because that's one of the things that I think is the most beautiful about Logic's concept. And we heard this from the very beginning is, you know, I can buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks and it goes to the big corporate entity, or I can buy a cup of coffee that's just as delicious, if not more so, at Everyday Kitchen Cafe and experience, and actually do good in this community that's in my backyard or in in Mooseheart as well. And so it becomes this, you know, additional created added value where you're, you're buying that cup of coffee anyway, you need that co-working facility anyway, but you can do good at the same time by doing the activities you would normally need to fill. It was a learning curve to figure out how to balance those messages, right? Because in reality, sometimes you just have to tell when you're brand new, you have to say, because people won't come in just because you do good. They'll come in because they're, they want it. They heard they can get a great meal or they heard that we have great offices. Um, but when they discover the purpose side, sometimes it, early on, it was hard to balance those messages. Sometimes we actually 
walk too far away from the purpose message. And mm-hmm. we've brought that back in because people are so excited. It's a, it's a delight when people see what we offer, the high quality of, of the experience, the customer experience we offer, and then realize, wait, and everything that I spend goes to good th- to do to do a little good every day. It goes uh-huh. to part- it goes toward not to line shareholders' pockets, but to actually <laughs> make the community a better place and help kids. That's really exciting. It's like the cherry on the cake, you know? And it keeps them coming back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love Numinos, but I also love the fact that, uh, that a hundred percent of the profits go back to charity. So it's like, I get to, I get to eat my cookie and have it too. You know, it's so exciting. I think we're living in a time where you don't actually have to it's not the same kind of thinking anymore of like, am I a nonprofit and do I live in this bucket or am I a for-profit and do I live in this bucket? In reality, those things are starting to blend, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where you actually have for-profit businesses like Tom Shoes and Warby Parker who are actually giving, taking a good chunk of their proceeds and doing good with them, right? Things like that. And you have nonprofits who are stepping into a, a, a consumer space. Mm-hmm. And um, I think really the, un, the unifying factor is this idea of, of being purpose-driven. People want to participate. Consumers want to participate with brands that are doing good things that exist for a reason beyond simply making money. And by the way, employees do too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to see how that shift is happening here. And, um, and it, and it feels to me that, that, um, you know, you can kind of hang that on, on the Gen Z or the millennials or, or something. So one of those generations is kind of like, okay, well, it's, it's this new generation that's coming up has this kind of baked in ethos where they want to, they want to shop from, from with brands that, that are doing something more than just, you know, selling them a t-shirt or whatever, whatever it is. Um, but they want to, you know, I I think it's, it's trickling up in that capacity to, uh, you know, to the Gen X, um, generation, um, as well, where, where it's like, well, yeah, why, why do I have to, why do I have to keep doing business as usual? And, and, you know, I, I think we're seeing that more and more, particularly as we're coming out of these, you know, multiple challenges that are, that have been facing the world over the last few years. Um, you know, there's just a new way of, of thinking about, about business. And it's, it's really fun to see. And, you know, and that's where people want to, people, employees have choices now. Mm-hmm. They, they can vote with their, their dollars, energy, and right, and talents, and um, people want to be a part of something that f- they feel like is is meaningful, and um, that feels like it has a bigger driver. Right now, sometimes you know, and logic is fundamentally in the hospitality business. It's a tough. It's been a tough business, a tough, mm-hmm. tough couple of years, and for hospitality and childcare and and. Um, People sometimes there needs to be a reason to put your feet on the floor and and work in a really tough environment, right? It's been a tough environment for hospitality and restaurants and childcare, um, but having something that you know that you're doing that's bigger mm-hmm. than 
um, that's bigger, that has a bigger purpose behind it and mm-hmm. um, a bigger heart behind it and a bigger vision is really powerful being part of that vision. Um, and I think, I think honestly, this is where I think we're seeing this drive toward purpose, you know, whether you're a for-profit or a nonprofit, how are you articulating your purpose and really owning it in a way that um, is yours uniquely to own and really rallying your people around it? Because I, you know, I think I've been saying this for a while, Christina's heard me, but I think it's more true than ever now um, that we almost live in a post-consumer world. Your employees are simply early adopters of your brand, right? If they're, mm-hmm. if, if they're not in love with your brand and your purpose, how in the world can you expect customers to be in love with it, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're the ones spreading contagious enthusiasm for the brand. They're the ones who are showing up every day and doing the hard work and making things happen. And that is contagious. And if they're really passionate about it, that will make its way to your audiences, right? Right. And so I, I think in some ways, you, when you brand, you're branding for the inside and the out. And that's where I think when nonprofits really, really um, leverage the power of brand, it, it, it's such a powerful tool for leapfrogging your organization forward um, because it, it's, it works from the inside out. Yeah. Where, where are some of the places that nonprofits don't go far enough in that, in that capacity in terms of leveraging that power of, of the internal positioning to influence that external engagement? Ooh, that's a good question. Christina, you want to go first? Uh, no, actually I would love you for to go first. (laughs) (laughs) Great. No problem. (laughs) It's where the it has to start, you really need to have your um, full management buy-in, right? It can't just live in marketing because if, mm-hmm. if, if you don't have the full organizational buy-in and it's just perceived as a marketing initiative, it doesn't get ingrained throughout the whole organization. And it really needs to be, you know, we believe, you know, in the simplest of terms, you can't say it until you do it. So it only counts if we all understand how to, what our purpose is, how to live it out in what we do, then we can talk about it. So um, it gets, it, when it really takes root across the whole organization um, from, and everybody's excited about what the, what the brand stands for, you know, um, a years ago, um, we did a branding exercise for a university. We've done some university work and you know, who is when we, and we would go in and we do what we call brand roll in trainings, right? Where mm-hmm. you're teaching um, the organization, you're teaching everybody to learn the brand, you know, some of the most powerful enthusiasts who couldn't believe they were invited, but were so pow- so important advocates for the brand were the um, facilities folks, the people who were keeping the place clean and making mm-hmm. sure that the, it was um, welcoming and everything was working. Um, 
so often, because you know how many, when people come to a university, nine times out of 10, the person that the student, the prospective student and parent is walking up to and asking for directions is a facilities person right is you know and often those are your longest standing employees and they have strong affinities for the brand and so if it's not lived out in how you're directed to your welcome tour how can it you know, it, it stops there. And right. so when you can really bring the brand to life across the entire organization and everybody understands that they have a critical role in it. it yeah. Be- that they're the ch- brand champions just as much as the top of the yep. chain as well, because yep. that's where, you know, behavioral signals really come in and what we do and kind of some of our philosophies is how can you, how can your behaviors, how can your everyday um, movements actually affect the brand and affect uh, people's experience of the brand because that janitor that you might come in, you might be looking for the restroom, but but they're, they're, uh, the experience that they give you by, you know what, let me help you, t- let me take you over, um, it's right over here, can change your whole day and your whole interpretation of how that brand or how that business is behaving because all of a sudden they're so much more elevated in the hospitality uh, fashion. So it all matters. Yep. Yeah. And making sure that everyone on the team can articulate the why and, and, and really be committed to and serving that purpose. Um, when you can get that whole, you know, all of those, all of those people all pulling in the same direction Mm -hmm. with a really solid understanding and living that, that purpose, um, you know, as, in every capacity that they represent that brand, right. um, that's where that's where magic really starts to happen. And I think understanding tactical ways to do so, because yeah. so often, you know, a brand strategy just sits on the shelf and collects dust because you know that you know what foundation you're supposed to be standing on, but you don't know how to bring it to life. You don't know how mm-hmm. you can make a difference or how you can affect change. And so, and it's not just for content creators, right? It's for, it's for everyone within the organization. So finding those tactical ways that everyone can be a brand champion, I think is really empowering to all aspects of the, of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So Christina, I, I've done a lot of work with, um, organizations like EO and, and places mm-hmm. like that. And one of the things, one of the lessons that you hear is like, you, know, you have to, you have to say your core values or your mission, mission, vision values mm-hmm. so often that you're sick of it or else people won't, um, you know, they won't get it. You have to plaster it on the walls. You have to do all of these things. Right. But I think that there's a reluctance to do that because, you know, as a, as a leader, it gets kind of, you know, you, you start to wonder if you're being boring or if you're, <laughs> or if you're saying sick, it over and over yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, sick of hearing this, right? What are some, some techniques or some tips that you would have for, for leaders who are, are trying to get that message across? How, how would you recommend that they come at it that from a, from a little different angle so that it, it doesn't just become like, oh gosh, here, here Stu goes again, talking about values and whatnot. <laughs> well, I think it's about identifying how do you signal that to someone else without just saying it, right? Because I can mm-hmm. say, you know, hey, you should trust me. But if I'm not behaving in a way that that demands trust or that earns trust, then, you know, 
it's just words, right? So I think it's it's starting to dig into what are the qualities of behavior and how I speak and how I, you know, how I express myself that start to live out those values, right? Like one of the biggest and most important parts to signal is how we create quality customer relationships. And how we do that is by making sure that they always know what's happening and what's coming, that they have more than just a, you know, client relationship, but we actually have more of a friendship, more of a longstanding relationship. And that creates that, that, that owns that perception for us of honest, mutually appreciative partnerships, because that's what's really important to us. That's what we pride ourselves on. So I think it's going beneath the words to how do you make someone feel that? Um, that's, that's the core of what we do. And, um, it, it stands for seeing the world in a whole new way, because you can see what everyone's signaling at all times, because we're all doing it, um, regardless of whether we know it, <laughs> we're sending signals. And sometimes too, you know, organizations are doing it because it's who they are, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. so ingrained that they haven't articulated. They take it for granted. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's the part where you you see you can see something that they can't see. Right. And I can't tell you how often we um, we an organization. Right. It's it's DNA or or its culture is so strong in certain ways that you'll they take that they don't even realize it. And you can you point out look how special this is, you know, Mm -hmm. and they are like, Oh, well, that's just what we do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, people value that that matters, you know, or, um, and when you can really own that and surface that and push away the stuff, that's not really that differentiating. Right. Yeah. Find a way to cut through the noise. Right. Like I recently started taking my dog to PetSmart's doggy day camp And I mean, we've worked with PetSmart in the past and I swear from all the times I've worked with them before, I don't remember them doing this, but maybe they did. They end every phone call with tell Gracie, who's my dog, tell Gracie, I said, hi. And (laughs) it makes me smile so much every time I see it. And that is a signal that tells you they care. They don't have to tell you they care. They don't have to plaster that on a wall. They, They have specific behaviors built into their processes of how they like I'm sure it's in a manual somewhere, <laughs> right? That that end the call that way because it makes the customers feel cared for. And that's the show don't tell sort exactly, of mentality. Yeah. Exactly. And finding those threads is really a powerful mechanism to to demonstrate what's true what's really important to you. Because right, marketing is a promise. Right. It's the beginning of the journey for the customer. Right. You're making basically you're making a promise. And how does that promise get fulfilled? So when you can create a straight line, even if the customer doesn't say it, they just feel it. Right. They just like Christina's wonderful example. Even if you just feel it. Right. You Mm -hmm. get that um, that becomes such a powerful, you know, she's not going to go to Petco. She's going to go <laughs> no. back. Right. It really gives me chills every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And. You know what? You know what would even be better is if they said, I, I, I can't. You, did you say your dog was named Gracie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell Gracie she's a good girl. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. Next treat today, Christina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Gracie would be a more loyal, a loyal uh, patron that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, and we all know that a lot of that is culture. It mm-hmm. might be in a manual somewhere, but you can't legislate that kind of behavior. People want to participate or they don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, it, it, that's authentic or it's not, right? Yep. It may be practice, but but people have to want to be part of that too. Right. They have mm-hmm. to want to be part of that. They have to feel great about, about doing that um, or they'll go somewhere else. And I think for nonprofits – you know, our, the, our loyalty relationships are so powerful. Um, what do we know? Um, it, is that people are, people are, our competition is stronger than ever for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. You have to send out people move around in ways they didn't before between, you know, they get, they get, uh, they move between things they care about, different chapters. And um, so how do we create those bonds and create really personal engagements and really um, create, it can be tangible or intangible value Mm -hmm. for and relationship with whether it's donors or whether we're, we're engaging them through um, some sort of product or service offering or whatever that looks like. Uh, It's the same, you know, in some ways it's this, we believe it's fundamentally the same challenge, whether you're a B2B, B2C or not-for-profit organization that every, everybody, you know, you've delved into at least the companies we work with, everybody wants to do something and wants a reason to get out of bed. That's bigger than simply making money. And line, mm-hmm. lining shareholders' pockets, and every business has tangible and intangible goals, right? Financial goals and non-financial goals, right? And so, I think when nonprofits really start to, when nonprofits start to think like purpose-driven brands, and for-profits start to shrink, think like purpose-driven brands, those line it. it they start to look more alike. The business structure doesn't matter so much, right? Mm-hmm. It's how do you engage an audience and how do you keep them engaged? Um, because you're in a relationship that everyone values. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Who do you think's doing a really good job of this at this point? What are some of the brands that you think are, are doing a great job of kind of living that purpose and, and that's leading to the, the ends that they have, have sought out to, to accomplish. Oh, that's a great question. Do you have one, Christina? I'm trying to think because, um, I mean, there's the obvious ones, right? Like, like Tom shoes or like some of the ones Cheryl that you met that you mentioned earlier. Um, but I'm trying to think outside of that box. I think, um, I think honestly, I think Subaru does a great job at this, right? Subaru, they're really clear about how they care about um, 
being good stewards. They're really how they really care about their customer, how they really care about the quality of their product, and how they invoke loyalty um, in a way that is creates extraordinary passion and um, extraordinary passion. And Subaru has become an identity brand, mm-hmm. and it's such a powerful identity brand. But because I think you know, it's an it's it's associated with a way of life. I wanted to say a lifestyle, but that seems too shallow, right? A way of life mm-hmm. that really, um, but, but it's a brand that makes it clear. They sort of do a nice job of standing apart from the big giant corporate crowd and really, really getting, being very clear about what they, how they, how they, how they care. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's an authenticity there that, that may be missing from some, some of the other brands as well. And I, I was just thinking about, they, they seem to know their audience and have as much care and thoughtfulness about yeah. some of the things that that audience desires. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking of like, they, it seems like in the last couple of years, they introduced this whole dog line of stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, which, which, you know, that's kind of a running joke up here in the Netherlands area is like a, a Subaru in every driveway and a dog in every Subaru or yep. something like that. And, um, and so just knowing that, that this is, you know, these are the people that, that are really engaged with your brand and how, how can you, how can you at least appear to be coming at that from a very authentic space? And that, mm-hmm. that, that to me is, is where a lot of that gold is is mined and they they stay really consistent they don't have they haven't gone crazy with their portfolio they have a really tight portfolio of products they're very deliberate about how they expand that portfolio of products to your to your point and they know what they do well they're confident in it and nobody tries to hard sell you if you go in and buy a subaru they're like it's a great car it's a great car it's never gonna die (laughs) (laughs) but they stand behind their product they know who the customer is they know who they are yeah Yeah. know who they are and they're yeah it's like they stay in their lane yeah Yeah. and to your point they broaden that lane sometimes but they do Mm -hmm. it with deliberate they do it with deliberateness they know where to go and where we're not where they're not just not interested in going yeah and and um so i think that's a i i really like the Subaru, Subaru brand. I think they do a really nice job of being very real. And I think that's why they connect to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great example. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I can't believe we're, we're almost at the, at the, the end of the uh, hour that we had allocated here today. And I, I really appreciate you both taking the time to chat with me. It's been a, a really fun, fascinating conversation. And um, I think that there's a lot of value to be gained from, from uh, people really paying attention to their brands and leading with authenticity and, and seeing how they can, you know, can, can better position themselves in, in whatever marketplace they're, they're competing. How can people find out more about, about you and the, and the great work that you're doing? Well, for Signal CSK brand partners, you can check us out at signalcsk.com. Uh, for Logic, Cheryl? 
for Logic Everyday Community, you can check us out at logiclogic.org. And we have three locations um, right now, Champaign, Illinois, Madison, Wisconsin, and Louisville, Kentucky. If you're in one of those areas, please come visit us and hopefully more Logics near you soon. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that would be fantastic. It sounds like such a great model, um, and I'm excited to see how how it continues to expand, particularly as people start to to get more comfortable going back to um, you know some sort of of work environment. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really interesting to watch how co working people you know humans are social beings. We've mm-hmm. been inside for a long time, and. And, you know, the different communities act a little differently, but fundamentally people like being around, you know, what they tell, what I hear from our co-working members is I just, I feel smarter. I feel more energized. I'm inspired. Even if my neighbor is doing something completely different than I am, I'm energized by that. I love learning things that I don't otherwise know or getting to meet somebody who can connect me to somebody else. It's, and they just want to be around people. People just want to be around people, even if they don't, you know, on their, on their terms. And that's what we found logic really does for people. And people definitely want to, people are ready to throw parties. I will tell you that everybody's (laughs) everyone's ready to party. That's awesome. (laughs) So I love having these conversations and I love also taking action and getting people to be inspired to take some sort of action. If you had to, or if you could uh, encourage people who are listening to the show today to take any action after listening to our conversation, what, what would that be? You want to go first, Christina? I would say, um, I would say, (laughs) I would say go out and, you know, really take some time to, to think about what purpose you're chasing, you know, what's at the core. Um, because it's so, it's such a, <laughs> this sounds so hallmark and I, I hate that I'm saying this, but we all are just thirsting to get out, right? We're all just trying to, um, to mean something and to matter. And, and so I would invite you to, to dig into your purpose and, and really live it out loud. Yeah. I would invite people to look around, right? And look at the brands that they engage with, whether they're for-profit or non-profit, in a new light. Ask ask yourself, right? I, I believe in object lessons. What does what does this brand stand for? What do I what is it authentically about? Do I understand what it's authentically about? How does that apply to what I'm doing? Right? How can um what can mm-hmm. I learn? from brands that I really believe in and brands that I don't. And Mm -hmm. then how do I take those lessons and apply them? Um, Because it's really exciting. You know, it's just really exciting to talk about Subaru. And we really zeroed in on the fact that that's a really authentic brand. And it's something you don't talk about a lot, but you feel it. Yeah. And those brands are really inspiring. Brands like that are really inspiring. And, you know, how can you look around, think about the brands that you engage with, who's doing that really well, and what can you bring into your own uh, your own world from that? Um, the more authentic and real we can all be, the happier 
the world is, right? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Thank you both so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I, I'm very excited to share this with the world and see how we can help uh, more, more brands get purpose-focused and, and do more good for the world. Me too. Thank you so much for having us, Stu. Thank you. Bye-bye. It was a pleasure. Bye. Thanks. And there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks again for listening. You can find past episodes of the show at relishthis.org. And remember, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on purpose marketing, grab your free copy of my book, Mission Uncomfortable, How Nonprofits Can Embrace Purpose-Driven Marketing to Survive and Thrive. Get your copy now at missionuncomfortablebook.com. Thanks again for listening. Come back next week, won't you?